It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Praise God. Father, we give you glory. We thank you that you love to confound the minds of the wise. Father, we thank you that you are the one that's always in charge. And so, Father, we just come to give you praise. We come to give you glory in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we honor you today. And everybody said, amen, amen. Praise God. Uh, we were scheduled to go to a conference in North Carolina, I think it is, at Stephen Furtick's church. And uh, we had actually um, signed up for that many, many, back in the spring, I think it was. So, you know, after they said this diagnosis and everything, I was thinking, well, you know, ah, that's going to be like the second week in October. I mean, that's, uh, you know, three and a half months. So we probably ought to cancel that. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. I thought, whoa, 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 shut up. What's up with that? You know, I had to, you have to speak to yourself. The Bible says speaking to yourselves, it says with Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but sometimes you just got to speak to yourself, you know? <laughs> and I said, self, you better shut up. <laughs> And I thought, no, I'm going to make plans, continue to make plans to go to that. So that's where we're heading next week. We're going to be out there and give God all the praise, all the glory. He likes to, again, confound the minds of the wise. Just a little praise report. Um, Not last week, but uh, I guess it was a week. Well, yeah, it was last week. No, it was the week before last. Yeah, because I, I was off this week, praise God, no chemo. So we went in and the doctor was just going over some of the lab reports. And there's a thing called the CA19-9 that's a marker in the blood that shows the presence of cancer cells. In most people's, uh, in your count, it would be from zero to 30 or zero to 40, something like that. Mine was 93,000. So that was a, yeah, that's, that, that's when, you know, they say, that's when they say three to three and a half months. Originally, yeah. Well, actually, at that at the time before, it had been ninety three thousand. And so, you know, they, that's why he said, um, as far as treatment, I said, well, what about, you know, the lymph nodes? And he goes, he's Jewish from the Bronx. Goes, What's the lymph node? I said, well, it's my lymph node. You know, I want, I want to try to take care of that. What about the colon? Ah, you can live without a colon, but not happily, but you can live without one. So, you know, there. Their point was to, to work toward the most aggressive, the pancreatic cancer and the liver cancer. So that's what they've been focusing on. And he said, there wasn't even any concern about a colonoscopy or anything like that to try to even look at that to see about that. Want, you know, no, sin, no, no use in wasting money, you know. So, but anyway, yeah, but God. So when we went in the next time and I said, so how's that CA-19 uh, coming? He says, so he looks up and he goes, hmm. Uh, 58,000. So it had dropped 30%. Amen. I said, so that's good news, right? Now, this, this doctor is very oppositional. He is not optimistic at all. You can ask any of the, the staff, the nurses. This guy, is, he never, he's not optimistic at all. In fact, first time we told him to have a good day, he said, oh, I doubt it. <laughs> and I mean, every time we tell him, well, have a good day, no, that won't ever happen. I mean, really, and he just kind of walks off and uh, very negative. But I thought, okay, God, you put a big fish in, in our pathway. I know you're going to get a lot of glory out of this. That's what makes me excited because I can see that how God's going to do this. And this guy's just going to be shaking his head. He has his PhD. He's taught at UTMB. He's taught oncology at UTMB and at MD Anderson. He writes a, one of the main articles for uh, oncology. Uh, and so his word really has, it holds a lot of weight, what he has to say. So when he said it's 58,000, I said, that's a 30% uh, 
decrease, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, that's good news, isn't it? He goes, well, <laughs> it's about to kill him to say good. something's good, you know? He says, well, that's the way we want it to go. I said, well, you know, and I was thinking, the Bible says 30, 60, and 100 fold. So I said, well, we got the 30 out of the way. We're going for 60, we're going for the 100 fold. And so he's looking at different things, and, and I'm talking to him, and our Sandy's, she's, boy, she's rubbing it in his face about how good this news is and everything, and some other things that, that came back really good. And so he says, well, he said, uh, let's see, you've got that the week off, which is last week. He said, I think I might go ahead and, cut and schedule that colonoscopy. Let's check out and see what's going on there. I thought, well, and that's real good news too, right? Because before, there no, no concern at all about that. So anyway, just to give God the glory. Oh, and by the way, wait, he, he walked us into the infusion room and he's giving the nurses some stuff. And so I got a chair way back over the side. He's walking out and there's a lot of people in there. And so I kind of uh, didn't holler, but in a elevated voice so he could hear me. I said, well, have a good day. And he goes, I'm going to. And I thought, and I mean, almost every nurse in that room turned around like, what? <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> Even, and so um, it's, it's, it's fun. And it, it really is fun to see how God's doing this. So a couple of places I want to look at in, in scripture today is Genesis 1.1. I think you can remember that. You can open there. And then also Matthew chapter five, and we'll look at verse 13 and following. And eh, we might look at some other things too, but let me ask you this question. Where, what, how many of you know what the first documented words of God are in the Bible? The first recorded documented words of God. So there, who said that? Let there be light. Good. So if you're in Genesis chapter one, let's look, we'll read the, about the first four verses or so. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Formless and empty. Can you even get a picture of formless and empty? In your mind, if you can, you somehow or another draw a picture, formulate this image of formlessness and emptiness or chaos. Chaos. It's just nothing but just chaos and darkness and and just emptiness, and it's just full of darkness. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. I was saying in the hallway, uh, ready to go in for a test in the hospital, and uh, when the guy from transportation dropped me off, he said, okay, that'll be about, uh, be a couple hours or take about a couple hours. I thought, two hours, whoa. And I thought, man, I didn't bring my phone. I'm not prepared for this, you know, because on my phone, I've got notes. And when I'm praying, if, if I feel like the spirit of God speaking to me something, I'll write it down, you know, and, and or jot it down so that I can meditate upon it. And, and I've got a little Bible program on my phone. Most of you guys do. So, you know, you can read something, right? I mean, we just... We're really getting kind of, uh, we don't know what to do if we don't have this thing by us, right? And so I thought, oh my goodness, you know, what am I going to do? And it's kind of like the Lord said, well, we can have a talk. <laughs> oh, well, well, God, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm always open for that. And so in that whole thing, 
God was just, I was, he was just kind of taking me back over diagnoses and different things like that. And some of the images that I had seen on uh, ultrasounds and around the liver where there was this mass of stuff over here. And by the way, that's all. Oh, that was the other thing was that uh, he was pushing around over my liver and he says, hmm, that's not, uh, I don't feel that swollen or anything over there. There was nothing, you know, what he had felt before wasn't there either. So praise God for that. But anyway, so I was thinking about that. And God said, what is that? I said, well, I mean, you know, Lord, they said it's cancer. I believe you heal me, this and that, whatever. He said, it's, uh, it's darkness. It's, form, it's, vo- it's chaos. It's chaos. And just through, you know, it's really, in some conversations with God, rarely is it like a dialogue. Sometimes it's just a, you know, you have this download. It's just the whole thing. You just get it. You know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's like, it's not necessarily like he's stringing you out. Although as I try to tell it, it comes out that way. But the impression was that cancer is formless and void. It's darkness. It's, uh, you know, it's disease. It's chaos. It's, it's working against the body. God created. He, he created, you know, he looked, you know, and he saw this, this, this darkness, this, this chaos, this emptiness, this void, and uh, all the stuff that was going on. And uh, then he spoke, let there be light. And God said, light dispels darkness. And I thought, that's right. And just with the impression to, to begin to, with those words, the powerful words, let there be light. And man, I began to see that uh, liver in my mind's eye, and I began to say, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Every cancer cell, let there be light. That mass of stuff that was just there and formless and void of life. And when I say void, not so much void of, of substance, but void of anything good. Because the only thing that God said was good was the light. But that stuff, that, that um, chaos that was there, that, uh, it, it's empty of life. And so we have to speak life into it. You know what's amazing about light? They've looked at it and they've brought it down to most everything. They've looked at the atoms and they've broken down the, the uh, neutrons and, and everything. And the very smallest substance of any atom, they find things called like a, I think it's called a meson and a gluson or something like that. You can check me out as meson. But anyway, these little teeny tiny things and they have a little glow to them and they're basically light. But it's not just light, but it's life. And it's what gives every cell, every atom, every cell gets life from those two little things. That's amazing. And everything has it. That's God's, that's what, that's, Life, that's the life that we have. And that life is light. Or you could say that light is life. And so the Lord just began to, as I said, just a download of this of like, speak life into your, to that part of, of your body that is his uh, void of life or anything good. If there's something bad there, speak light to it. Light dispels darkness. I don't know if you're getting this this morning or not. You can look at your circumstance and your situation, and if you see chaos, let there be light. If you're in a relationship and Satan has got his hand in this thing and there seems to be chaos and 
You don't see love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control in that relationship, then it's not good. And so what do we do? Let there be light. And God saw the light and the light was good. And we see the light and the light is good. Okay, pastor. Okay, awesome. What an awesome abstract concept. How do I make it real? <laughs> How do we make it real? Because that is kind of an abstract concept, isn't it? Yeah, let there be light. Okay, I can say that, but do I understand it? Because see, I think the more, and I don't know if we'll ever understand it fully. I, I don't think we'll ever understand it fully until maybe some day we're called home. But, and then we begin to see in a different dimension. But as we look at that, we begin to, we, the more we do get a hold of it or a revelation of it, an understanding of it, the more authority we put behind it. And when we speak that, let there be light. I mean, we speak it as God said, get out of the way, darkness, the kingdom of darkness and, and the chaos that's here. Whether or not it's, again, with a relationship, if it's in your body, if it's health or healing that you need in your body, if it's your finances, if something's happened and darkness has come in and is trying to reign, say it with me, let there be light. Let there be light. Boy, you ought to say it like you mean it. And you ought to mean it when you say it. And when you do, let that light Go in and dispel that darkness. It ought to just shake things loose. Yeah. Kingdom of darkness has to fall. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Well, I, I want to go to John. I'm sorry. Hold on to Matthew 5. I didn't forget Matthew 5, okay? But I like what, how John starts out his book. And you can just relax, chill. I'll read it to you. John starts his books by saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4, in him was life. That's Zoe. That's the, the God kind of life, the life that God has, that never-ending life, that life that darkness cannot snuff out. It's life. It's the very essence that gives life to everything else. In him was life, and that life was what? Oh, are you serious? And that life, that life, that life that was with God in the beginning and and. All things were made with him, and without him nothing was made. That life, he says, because that uh, in him, it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Wow. We just cannot get a hold of this. We it's like trying to get a drink from a fire hydrant. You're going to get a little bit, but the rest of it's going to just... <laughs> we just have to kind of just sip on it and try to get as much as we can. But I, I challenge you every day, say, God, give me a revelation of light, of light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all men. Verse 5, the light, the light. 
the light that he's talking about here that is the light of all men, which we have too. We have that light if we are part of the light. <laughs> now that we have eternal life, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That life is the light. And he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some translation says, has not understood it. Yeah, I'll go with that too. It just means it can't fathom it. In other words, it just doesn't know what to do with this. It destroys, it, it can't, there's no response. Darkness, or better yet, the kingdom of darkness, or Satan, or any demonic power, any form of chaos, sickness, disease <laughs> cannot overcome. Oh, I don't. <laughs> wow. Wow. It can't overcome this light. It can't overcome it. Wouldn't it be awesome to, you know, have a lightsaber? Actually, we got one. <laughs> Wow, it cannot overcome it. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. Then that means that no weapon that is formed or fashioned against you can prosper, succeed in reaching its intended purpose. No weapon, because darkness cannot overcome this light. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. I think I got some notes on here someplace. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, but we need to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Now, Jesus, he's preaching here from the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And not like most churches do, they preach on the Sermon of the Mount. Y'all will get that later. But anyway, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. I said, a mount. Okay. Anyway. So he gets down to this one part and he starts to address his disciples and he says to them in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now let me just pause right here and insert a thought. I believe we're living in a time like no other time. I believe we have a job to do that no other generation has been given to do. I believe that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. I'm excited about that. We've got an awesome responsibility, but we have everything that we need to accomplish if we simply yield to the Lord. And we're living in a society that can go back. Eric, how old are you? 36. Now you're not old enough. Uh, somebody that's 50. Anybody in here 50 years old? Close to it? Nobody wants to admit that? <laughs> anyway, we're living in a society that can go back 37 years when you were a sophomore in high school and start to try to judge you on something that was a hearsay that not even in the mouth of two more witnesses was it established. And you know, I'm telling you, thank God for the grace of God. If I had to give a report of my freshman, sophomore, junior, senior years in high school, oh boy. Oh boy. 
I don't know about you guys, but thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for his grace. Amen. I'm telling you, I mean, wow. But just to, to, we're just living in an age that calls good evil and evil good. (laughs) And, you know, who's going to do anything about it? We have to be tolerant of of any and all religions and any and all beliefs or any and all whatever anybody thinks or wants to do, we have to be tolerant of that. But boy, if you talk about Jesus, if you want to talk about Christianity, there's no place for that. Again, I said, let me just pause. I'm just talking now. This is my opinion, okay? And so what is needed in our society today is something that will help purify this chaos. This ridiculousness. And it does produce drama. And so Jesus is looking at the disciples, and I want to tell you, he's looking at you and me today because we are his disciples today. His word is alive. Just because he said it 2,000 years ago to those disciples does not mean that it's not applicable to us today. He says, you're salt. You're the salt of the earth. Salt back then, with, that, with no refrigeration, uh, meat would putrefy, and the salt would go in, and it would draw out the moisture and the impurities, and it helped preserve that meat and, so that it was useful, or it could be used for seasoning and, and things, too, to make it you know, more palatable or whatever. And he's saying, you know, that you need to be the purifying force in the society, in this world that I've placed you in. God doesn't take us out of situations, but he goes with us through situations. Amen. And he says, in this, I've called you to be salt. And now you help purify things. And that doesn't mean that we've got to get in somebody's face and act rude. No, it means that we need to be Christians. We need to learn how to pray for real. You know, I've changed the way I pray over my food. You know, I mean, I remember we were in Africa one time. Timothy, our son Timothy had gone with us and we were, in the, we were actually on the side of a mountain in a place, and they'd fixed us some food, and, and I don't know for sure what all it was, but Timothy looked over at me. He's, I think he's like a sophomore, junior in high school then. He says, Dad, you really do have to pray over your food here, don't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, you really do. That's for sure. But I pray, and I say, then I speak my, to my body. I command my body to receive whatever food that's, that I'm taking in as strength, health, and nutrition because my body hadn't been doing that and it had been produced in chaos and whatever else was there. But pray, we need to know how to pray for real. Not just pray, you know, just saying something and just rote memorization, but we need to know how to intercede and stand in the gap for leaders and for our country and for, you know, uh, our church and for our family, for our loved ones and you know, whoever the Holy Spirit lays upon our heart, we need to know how to pray. And, you know, we're all dressed up for battle, but we, we never show up. If you remember in chapter 6 of Ephesians where it talks about, you know, putting on the whole armor of God. When he finishes all the pieces, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and supplication. With this in mind, you know, keep on praying. Pray. We need to purify. On down, he goes and he says... Um, in verse 14, then he says, you are the light of the world. Now, hold on just a second. Hopefully, it hasn't been too long since we just talked about God said, let there be light. And that light 
is life. It's the life, it's the Zoe, it's the life of God, the kind of life that God has, the kind of life that is not overcome by darkness. It's that kind of life that no weapon that's formed or fashioned against it can succeed in its intended purpose. It's that kind of life, and it's that kind of light, because that light is, uh, I think you got it. But now he goes a little bit further. Now we know that his word says that God is light. God is light. Wow. I mean, it's just such three, three words. God is light. But there's so much in that. God, the creator of the universe, the one that's spoken things came into existence. He is light. He is life. He is everything that there no, no one or nothing can overcome him. Jesus is the light of the he is the light as well. Now then he goes and he says, you are the light of the world. Are we? Are we? What does that mean then? You are the light of the world. If you are light and you open the door to darkness, when you step in, darkness leaves. It doesn't run over in a corner somewhere and just kind of like act like it's hiding. It doesn't like wad up and lay over on the floor. It, darkness just goes, it's gone. It's gone. When I speak and I say, let there be light, liver, let there be light. Every cancer cell that's still trying to hang around, let there be light. By the way, those CA19-9 cells, they can be present even if there's dead cancer cells there. <laughs> I just said, well, you know, there were so many cancer cells there from liver, pancreatic, pancreas, and colon, and lymph nodes, and whatever. Doesn't surprise me that the count's so high because that's all those dead cells just trying to get out of there. <laughs> Why are they out of there? Because I said, let there be light. <laughs> They want out of there. Amen? But you are the light. You are the light of the world. Are we? That's the question. Are we? Or do we think that just when we show up for church that we're light? Oh, yeah. I go to light Christian center. <laughs> By the way, over 30 years ago when God called us to come to Alvin, Texas and to establish his people, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might take their place among those who are saved and be an army of believers. I said, well then, Lord, we need to have a name for this church. He said, light. I go, that's good, but um, we need a name for this church. And uh, light. light. Well, I mean light. Okay, that's... See, people used to say Christian Light Center. We're not a light center. We are light. And this facility is a center, I guess, where we meet. This is just the base of operation out those doors of the field of labor. We are light. Light. Christian Center. You could just as well say God, 
We're going to assemble under his name. We're going to assemble under Zoe life that we have, that we celebrate when we worship. I'm worshiping the life of God, of who he is, that he's my redeemer, he's my savior, he's my prince of peace, he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's almighty God. There was nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. Nobody's standing in his way that can take his job. You can't impeach him. You can't fire him. He is God. We used to sing an old song in the choir. I know God is God. He don't ever change. I know God is God. He'll always be the same. He's God up on the platform. He's God back at the door. Oh, hallelujah. He's God. He is light. And when I come before him, I expect every bit and ounce of darkness to flee and be gone. Hallelujah. God is God. And he says, wait a minute. You're the people of God. Right? What does that mean? What does that mean? If we just come in these four walls and do our thing and leave and no and it's not about that oh woe to the church today woe to the church not just local churches but I mean the church woe to the church today that would come in and function under iniquity meaning self-willfulness Don't have time to worship God because we got to do our thing. Don't have time to meet a need because we got to do our thing. I don't know, people, but we're living in some age when we need to be the light of the world. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. You know, we're a city on a hill. Man, it was established that hill called Calvary. Jesus bought and paid for the life that we have here. And that life ought to come out of us as light to dispel every bit of darkness. Exercising jurisdictional authority that no matter where you go, wherever the sole of your feet trods, that darkness has to flee. Do you believe that? If we believe that, then, then he says, Jesus said, uh, he says, I am the light of the world. He says, whoever follows that, this is John something, 18, 218, 118 something. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows after me shall uh, uh, never uh, walk in, in darkness. Somebody pull that up because I quoted haphazardly. But anyway, he says, you'll, you'll have the light of life, you'll, but you'll never walk in darkness. If we're really walking after him and we're allowing that life, Jesus, the light of the world to function through us, every time I step, I'm not stepping in the darkness. It has to move. It has to flee. And no matter what its assignment was to bring against me, it can't overcome me. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ, the light that dwells in me. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't hide it. If it's there, you shouldn't hide it. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. Boy, we've got to put Jesus here. He's our banner. 
that light. And it gives light to everyone in the house. Are you giving light to everyone in the house? Do people like to see you come or do people like to see you go? Think about it. How many of you know those kind of people? You'd rather see them go than come? You know what I'm talking about? Whew, sure glad they gone. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the type of person that brings light? When somebody comes to see you or when somebody leaves your presence, do they say, wow, that wasn't that... They're just, I just love to be around them. Why? Because there's light in them. That light dispels darkness off of your life. When you come together, when you begin to meet, see the light within us is dispelling darkness and we can have fellowship one with another. That kind of, that kind of fellowship that increases me, encourages me, strengthens my faith. Gives me the, the, the assurance that the devil has nothing that he can bring against me. That's why that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. That when we come together, that that light joins together and, and darkness has, it's just like, <laughs> have you seen those, those pictures, those images of, an, of those uh, nuclear explosions of where it hits and it's like, boom, and just rolls. You got to get a picture of that. That's what happens to darkness when light comes in. In the same way, he says, that you shouldn't hide light. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. In the same way, I challenge you to be light. I challenge you to be light. I challenge you to let there be light in you. Let there be light. When you wake up in the morning, in the morning, when you go to bed at night, say, let there be light. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing, words out of your mouth say, let there be light. <laughs> Talk about catching the devil off guard. What? I mean, he's going to get stampeded with all the demons running, the darkness running, and it's going to overflow and overtake him. What's our purpose? Why are we here? Why are you here? Why are you here? Hey, you've learned well. Know God and make him known. Know God. Who is God? Light. God is light. Why are you here? To know light. Can I insert that? The Bible does. Know God. Know light. Isn't light interchangeable with God? Isn't light interchangeable with life? Zoe life? The God kind of life? You are to know life as God has life. The life that God has, you are to know him. See, and as you know God, you are dispelling darkness, the ignorance that is within all mankind that doesn't know God or can't conceive God or perceive what, who he is or what he can do, then, then you're already dispelling darkness because every time you get to know God better, darkness has to leave from you. That ignorance, when I, I say, I'm not putting anybody down, but you know, that's how we stay fruitless. If the devil can keep us ignorant, he can keep us fruitless. You shall know that Truth, 
which Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. So if he's light, then you shall know the light. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know the light and the light will, oh, you know, we could just go on and on and on about light. You ought to be glad you're part of light Christian center. (laughs) You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. How does it set us free? Because it's light that dispels darkness and darkness can't overcome it. And so when you get a revelation of that, the devil can't lie to you in that area anymore. You, you, you already, you've been enlightened, <laughs> right? Light has come. Darkness or ignorance has gone. Know God. Make him known. Know him every day in a greater degree. Do you know him? Do you know him? Wow, he's the traveler's map. He's the pilot's compass. He's my roadway, he's everything I need. He's my savior, he's my deliverer, he's my conquering king. I love him, I worship him, I adore him, I reverence him, I honor him. He is God and he wants us to know him and when we know him, darkness has to flee. See, I, I, I had no fear when this doctor starts to go on and on on and on about cancer <laughs> uh, with her, you know, diagnosis is like, okay. <laughs> when she asked me something, she said, you know, I've never seen anybody so calm. I'm like, I'm not afraid of that. Why? Because I'm walking in light. I- I've got a knowledge that I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me against that day. What day? That day. What day? That day. That day that the devil tries to overcome you with darkness. That day that he tries to push you back. That day that he tries to get you to give in and give up. That day that he brings every all that hell has to offer comes against you. But I know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know that the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. I know that he's a good God and that he, whatever he says, he means it. I believe that he said by his stripes that we are healed. So I have no fear. I told her, I said, I'm not afraid. So I'm not afraid of dying. I died three times in this hospital in 2013. So I'm not afraid to die. You know? So it's just another mountain to climb. It's just another opportunity to see God shine his light and dispel darkness out of the minds of the wise. One person that would never give you a thumbs up in their life says, yeah, I think I will have a good day. Wow. Light. So why are you here? To know God. To know light every day so that you walk in a greater degree and a greater authority of light that dispels darkness. Every move I make, I make in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every step, what is the next part of that? I make, I take in you. We used to sing that old song, that song. Hallelujah. And to make him known. When you go to work in the morning, you need to make somebody know that light is ruling and reigning in your life. Now, see, darkness has sorrow, pain, destruction, chaos, no hope, fear, worry, doubt, 
That's what darkness has. That's what's in darkness. Or what's in light. Joy. Peace. Hope. Faith. Prayer. Enough faith to believe I can pray. And anything that I desire when I pray, if I ask it in his name, it's going to be done. So i got to make known Know him and make him known. I want to make God known to those that are around me. How? And how much peace he's brought into my life. I had so much opportunity. You know, since I stopped riding the Harley, I don't get a lot of opportunity to witness to the lost or those people in darkness. But I had a lot of opportunity just to witness to people out of this situation that's already come up. And then just people like, I'm so sorry. And I said, well, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not sorry. (laughs) I said, well, don't be. You don't need to be because there's hope. Really? Well, then they begin to tell me about, you know, aunt so-and-so or mama or somebody in their family or near to them or dear to them that had cancer or has cancer and, and are, they're without hope. But we have hope. Make him known. Make him known. People, let me tell you something. We don't know how much time we have. We might have 15 seconds before the trumpet sounds. Are you ready? I don't know. I don't know how much time we have on the face of this earth. But I'm not, one thing about it, I want to tell you, it will accelerate a few things when somebody says three to three and a half months. Oh, really? I better start packing for that conference now. You know? It was a big deal. We were supposed to go to Australia to go to that uh, Hillsong conference there in July. And uh, we canceled that, which was probably a good thing. But, you know, it was a big thing, you know. So I thought, you know, do we... And I was praying. I said, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. If you want us to go, we'll go. And the Lord just kind of... He just said, if you want to go, you can go. But it's kind of like, I don't think you should. Okay. And then I kind of thought of it, so would this look like a last-minute Hail Mary? Let's go. We better go to Australia, man. Three, three and a half months. Or how about this? Let's just reschedule it, and let's book for next year and go and celebrate one year beyond three months. I'm going to make my body, my mind, be in submission to light that says I'll trust in him. I'll not fear, I'll not dread. I'm going to trust in him. Know him, make him known. Light. When you worship God, you're dispelling darkness. When you begin to magnify him for who he is, he's almighty God. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my righteousness. He's my sanctification. He's all I need. He's all I need. When I begin to just speak those words of who he is, I want to tell you that darkness is fleeing. Darkness is fleeing. You know, I've said many times, man, I feel so much better when I preach than I do any other time in my life. Why? Because the oppressiveness of darkness can't stand when light is just being pounded and sent out. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about a little trickle. I'm talking about, but you know, even just a tiny bit, I could just, if we turn all the lights off and I just struck a little tiny match, I guarantee that you, everybody in this room would be able to see it. It don't take much light. If you have faith, like the grain of a mustard seed, 
you can say to this mountain of chaos and blockade and, and trying to hold back. You can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And it has to do that. Darkness cannot overcome light. When you find your place in the body of Christ and you begin to serve in this church, in the local church, and you begin to work together as in Ephesians, it talks about when every joint supplies, it does its part, then you're dispelling darkness because darkness doesn't know what to do with unity. Because darkness is not in unity. It doesn't exist in chaos. Chaos is unity. is no unity around when you begin to walk with your brother and your sister, when you have differences of opinion and maybe Satan has brought something into your pathway to try to separate you, that's darkness. But when you say that that has to flee and you can walk hand in hand with your brother or your sister and serve in the body of Christ, then I want to tell you something. Man, you're letting your light shine. Oh, I wish somebody in here would get hold of this today. When you're willing to getting the same ship. Well, I tell you, I just appreciate. So I just, I just stand amazed of the love of this church for me. Wow. 17 people yesterday was up here serving brisket, barbecue and whatever. Wow. To raise money for one week of treatment. That just blows me away. It humbles me. Wow. But you know what you're doing? Every spoon. (laughs) Spoonful of barbecue. Darkness, you're defeated. You're defeated. Every time we pay, we pay the treatment one week in advance. When they showed us the number, I'm going, hmm, okay, I don't want to look at that very long. <laughs> I'm going to continue to look in faith. And I said, okay, we'll do it. And we're going to do it and we're going to pay in advance. They didn't know what to do about that. Because first of all, nobody pays in cash. And secondly, I mean, they didn't they already know how to figure it up, did they, Charlie? We kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then when we said we're going to do a week in advance, they're like, how are we going to keep records on that? I guarantee you there's not one insurance company in the world today that's going to pay in advance. <laughs> Amen? Man, I'm telling you. They just don't know what to do about it. They don't know what to do when Dr. Weiss shows up and they're looking, and they say, you're not supposed to come in today. He says, well, I come in for him. Well, you're not supposed to be here today. He says, but I come in for him. And he walks through, and they said, and, or they're looking in their book, and uh, he schedules something for me to have a blood test or whatever. And they said, but you're not here on those days. He said, I'll be here for him. Who does that? That's not me. He never met me till he walked into my hospital room. That's the favor of God. That's the light of God. Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify the Father. That's why when we were walking into that infusion room, I was right behind him. I says, it's just getting better and better. I said, it's going to get better. He says, only he knows. That's what he said. I go on, that's right. That's right. Wow. It just, hey, if you're living a mundane, dull boring Christian life, man, you're, la- you're living way below your privilege. Every day is exciting. Every day is exciting. Now, I got to tell you something. So, because this isn't being recorded or nobody else will know about this. 
we needed some uh, for our house. It's getting repaired, it's getting close. And so our floor got ruined in some places during the flood. And so we need to replace the tile because it's a lot. And insurance didn't cover any of that. So asked Gabe about it. And we had a few pieces left over, but not enough. And I remember that my sister in Dallas had some of this tile because she'd seen ours that we put in way, way back. And, and she uh, put some down in her. So I called her and asked her, and she roused around one of the attics and things and found a couple of boxes of it. And so I said, okay, well, we'll come up and get it. I don't have chemo next week. We'll go up and get well, I want to tell you, last week I was in bed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We didn't go to Dallas on Wednesday like we thought. And I was so frustrated. I, I thought, devil, you are a liar. You know, you are a liar. This stuff that's in me that's poison, that's killing cancer cells. It's, I know it's doing its job, but you get out of me now. I don't have no time for this. Ain't nobody got time for none of this stuff. I woke up at 5 o'clock that morning. I said, I'm going to Dallas. I still felt pretty bad. So a little later on, Sandy said, well, you know, I said, well, we're going to Dallas. And she said, okay. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be ready in a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to speak that light and let the darkness flee. And then let your eyes get adjusted to the reality of what's happening. Shorten it up a little bit. We went to Dallas. And so when we were there, we were going to try to, we got the, the tile. And, and there was a big place there, Dow Tile is in Dallas, where they thought, well, they might have had a box of this shoved back in the corner somewhere. And uh, so let's just go by there and see. And so we took the box top of that and a tile. And I know more got three feet inside the door on the contractor's Side of that, and the guy says, whoa, what you got there? And I says, I don't know, hoping you can tell me. Anyway, he looked it up on the computer, said, there's not a piece of that tile in the whole the entire United States. I said, great, I got some awesome tile. Right? He said, that's, that's the good news. It's bad news, there's none available. Good news, it's really good tile. So as we were coming out, we heard something that said that the State Fair of Texas started, was it that Friday or that Friday? So that was Friday. I said, State Fair of Texas. You know, that's a sad thing. We've lived in Texas all this time. 30-some years and never been to the State Fair of Texas, you know. And uh, so they said something about military getting free. And so, I was, you know, we were doing this and that. And I thought, you know what? I, I was winded walking from the bedroom to the kitchen. I was going, <sighs> and I have to sit down or lean up against something. Uh, you know, and it's just like that little honoriness within me says, you know what, God, you're doing something exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. I told Sandy, says, hey, you want to go to the State Fair of Texas? <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> I said, you want to go to the State Fair of Texas? And she goes, well, I, I don't know. I don't even know where it is. I said, I don't either, but I bet we can Google it, Google it or <laughs> GPS it or something. And she says, well, are you feeling Okay. I said, I feel like going to the State Fair of Texas. So, we did. It's a mess. I like the rodeo of Houston a whole lot better. Let that be on the record. So let it be written, so let it be done. Anyway, <laughs> we finally get inside, and we had to go clear all around this thing. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's all around the Cotton Bowl, finally. We got in, and I'm thinking, man, I mean, just walking from the parking lot, every step I'm praying, Lord, I thank you for strength exceedingly, abundantly, of all that I may be able to ask or think, I thank you for it. Every step I take, I take in you. Hallelujah. So we get to the gate. <sighs> we step inside the gate and look over, right over there, it's all those little carts that you can ride. And then I thought, huh, 
yeah, maybe, uh, let me go check on these things here, see how much this costs to rent, you know. And it was, I don't know, $55 a day. That's a lot of money, which I didn't have. But I thought, wow, you know, I might ought to get one of those. You know, we, Sandy and I might could share that. And I thought, it's like, why are you here? Why are you here? Now, it didn't cost us anything to get in. So as long, if I stepped foot, I'm in the State Fair of Texas. Thank you very much. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would be an accomplishment, but... So Sandy said, well, you know, maybe you ought to get one of those. I said, nah, we'll be all right. She says, well, what if you get tired? I said, well, we'll sit down. She said, well, I mean, what if, I mean, you know, you really get tired. She says, well, we'll leave. You know, no big deal. We didn't bring five grandkids and spend $20 on each of them to get in. I said, you know, no big deal. So we walked, and every time I take a step, thank you, Jesus. And I want to tell you something. Someone that couldn't walk... 35 feet to the kitchen, walked around the cotton bowl in Dallas, praising God. And I felt better when we walked out and got in the car than I did when we were going up there. Praise God. I want to tell you something. Sometimes you just have to look darkness square in the face as God looked out and he saw chaos and darkness. And he said, let there be light. And darkness leaves. Well, we're going to get you out of here. But I challenge you today. Oh, I got a whole lot more. I didn't even get to my notes. I didn't even get to my notes. But I want to challenge you. When you get up in the morning, first words out of your mouth, say, let there be light. When you feel oppressed, you feel fear pressing you down. When you feel sickness, disease. When you see chaos in a relationship, when you feel like that there's no place to turn, I challenge you to say, let there be light. Light in this situation. Light. 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 And you see if it doesn't make a difference. You know, sometimes your faith eyes have to get adjusted just a little bit. You know, I mean, that light really sometimes, whoo, boy, when it comes on, it comes on. But I challenge you. Every head bowed this morning and every eye closed. I don't want you thinking about anybody else in this room. I want you to know today that if you are a child of God, that you have the life of God. Eternal life. Zoe. Abundant life. Where things are exceedingly, abundantly Above all that you're able to ask or think, that's the kind of life that you have. And that life is light. Now, if darkness is pressing in on you, let there be light. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you feel like that your life is just full of darkness, which is the unknown. When Maybe you don't know whether you're, where you're going to spend eternity. There might be some doubt, some fear, some question marks that rise in your mind when you think about death and dying or eternity. Let there be light. Jesus died for you. He paid a price. His life, he wasn't afraid to lay down that life because he knew that he had life. <laughs> Zoe.
He wasn't afraid to lay down his human life because he had eternal life. If you're here and you're not sure, if you're listening on the podcast, if you're listening on live radio right now, if you're not sure, if there's darkness that surrounds and question marks are floating through as a chaos and you sense a voidness in your life right now, let the life of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, come into your heart, into your spirit right now. He regenerates, repowers, relights you. So if you're here and you're not sure, if there's any doubt at all, just raise your hand right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but right where you are, if you're not sure, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm not sure if I've received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Will you pray this prayer with me? Those that are listening to this, listening live on the radio or to the podcast, just pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son that he died for me. He paid the price for my sin up on a hill called Calvary, nailed to a cross where he gave his life for my life to pay the debt that I owed. I receive Jesus as my love gift from the Father. And Heavenly Father, I believe with all my heart that I am your child now because of what Jesus did. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.